It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Hello and welcome to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast. The podcast that takes you on great escapes into the British countryside, helps you meet fascinating rural people and tackle some of the big, big issues. My name is Fergus Collins and I'll be your host. Today I'm talking with an extraordinary woman who's gone from the tough world of farming in the hills of West Wales to the great operatic venues of the world. I'm talking about the soprano Guire Edwards. So you're a you know, you're a multi award winning classical singer, but many people don't know that you're also a sheep farmer or you come from a sheep farming background. How on earth do you I do. live between two such diverse worlds? Well, yes, um, that's right. I um, grew up on a farm um, in West Wales, um, sheep and also beef. Um, but I grew up being Welsh and, you know, rich in the Eisteddfod tradition. Um, I was, you know, I started off competing from a very young age. Um, my father was also a singer. He was a tenor. So, for me, I was surrounded by music and singing from, you know, from birth, really. Um, so it was a norm. I was quite shy, though, as a child, so I didn't I didn't tend to love performing straight off. But then, um, you know, gradually I started getting into it and I used to follow my father. My singer was, uh, my sister, sorry, was an accompanist. He, she accompanied him as well in concerts. So we used to go together and I started off joining him on stage for a little duet now and again to try and get confidence and performing experience. Um, so it's all developed from there. Um, and it's always been a kind of a given that I would sing. And I also played the harp and the piano. Um, so it's it's always been my life. You know, I've always competed and then I've always done concerts. And then I naturally auditioned for a music college, which was the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama here in Cardiff. Um and I got a scholarship to go there, and it's just you know it's always just naturally come bloomed, about. But bloomed from there, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, but as well as that, though, you know, I've kept going back to the farm when I was in college very often, every holidays and a lot of weekends um, to help. And also, as a child living there, we'd always have to help out and lend a hand and just get stuck into it, basically. So I've always. I've always been a part of that. And it's quite funny because, you know, being a singer, people seem to think that it's glamorous and they see you in these dresses and well, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and they always ask, when I say that I'm from a farm, they're always very surprised and they always assume that I've never done anything on a farm um, because of, you know, the apparent glamour when you perform. Um, but that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, when I'm back there, I'm just in my working farming gear and just hair up, no makeup, and just get stuck into it. And I love it, you know. When I tell people, when a lamb dies, you skin it and put the skin on another lamb and all of that stories. And some people think that's horrifying. Um, but 
you know, for me, that's a normal as as a farmer. And, you know, when I was younger, I used to muck out with the cows and, you know, you drive the tractors, carry bales and all of that, you know. Yeah, I have this vision of your childhood, of, of you and your family singing around the farmhouse and around the farm uh, in a sort of rather blissful. Uh, were, were you were you always singing? Were you out in the field singing to yeah, the animals? Yeah, well, I know it sounds quite funny and you may laugh, but that's exactly what it is and what it was. Um, I, you know, when I was in the sheep, in the um, lambing shed, I'd always sing to the sheep as a child, being really silly and, you know, my mother would always laugh at me but I would learn my songs and practice practice the singing because um when you when you sing outside in the field or wherever there's no limit there's no headroom or whatever to limit sometimes when you sing in a room or practice room it can be very you know the acoustic may not be so good and you may feel there's a limit to your voice because there's a headroom but when you're out um in the fields it's just a brilliant way to practice the technique, the vocal technique, and I, I loved it. I remember shearing time. I used to, you know, sing in the in the shed or sing out in the fields, wherever. And my sister lives in um, a house, of a farmhouse, which is just a few hundred yards down the road from where my parents live. And sometimes if I'm out in the fields, she'll text me saying, I've just heard you. <laughs> I think the whole of the area has just heard you practicing. singing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes, and my father was the same, you know, he used to practice his singing in the tractor and just learn the words that way. So, yeah, it was very musical farming. <laughs> so what, what it, it's, it's, is it an upland farm? It's in, you said, West Wales. I, I know I've looked looked in your biography, you were born in Aberystwyth. So is it near near there? Well, yes. So it's actually um, halfway between a town called Aberdeiron, which is on the oh, seaside yes. on the coast, Lovely. and yeah. Trigaron, which is inland towards the mountain, the Cambrian mountain. So it's literally halfway between the um, the sea and the mountain. Um, it is quite hilly, yes, um, but you can see the sea. And but from the top, where I actually took photos for this um, interview, um, you can see the whole of Cardigan Bay right up to the Clean Peninsula and right down to Pembrokeshire and then right over to the Cambrian Mountain. So the view is just incredible. Um, and whenever, when I go back home and say, you know, if you've had a stressful time or you're really busy, there's nothing I like more than to go for a walk up to the hill just behind that house to just look at that view and breathe in the fresh air. It's so therapeutic and just so good for the soul, I feel. Um, But as well as the farm there, um, the mainland farm, there's also, my father has um, owns a piece of the Cambrian Mountains, which is up near Llandawy Brevi. But um, yeah, it's very rural, obviously. and then there's so he has sheep there, so that's an orga- that's also organic as well as the main farm. So organic Welsh mountain lamb. Oh my word, there's nothing better. Honestly, it tastes amazing. <laughs> Where would anyone buy it if if they could if they could buy a, a lamb that's been sung to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be something. That would be something you could put you could sell. Absolutely, I've never thought of that. You know, <laughs> maybe they're calmer lamb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it tastes sweeter. Yeah. <laughs> 
is it, would you find yeah, it in the supermarkets good. or um or, or is it sort of yeah sold yeah in farm shops you know or, yes yeah. or the butchers there's you know you'd fantastic i mean you talked about um taking the children to the farm and it was really interesting you saying yes. about how important you feel that is do you when you're mixing with people in cardiff and do you do you sort of get the sense that children aren't getting enough outdoors activity well yes um and you know obviously being brought up in rural West Wales, it's very different from, you know, living now in Cardiff. And although I love living in Cardiff, I love the city as well as I love the countryside. But for just seeing the way my daughter and her friends are is very different to the lifestyle that I had. I know you've got time, there's a time difference, a generation gap. I know that. Um, but in general, city life is obviously different. And I just find... With country life, it's a bit simpler. And for a child, I just find that they are growing up too fast these days and worry about things like image and all of that. And although my daughter hasn't yet reached that stage, but it's something that I do worry getting a bit affected by all of that kind of things. And I remember when I was growing up, I never used to worry or think about that kind of thing. And neither did my friends. You know, it was a much simpler way of being brought up. But also not just that, it's just the education, the countryside education, nature, um, wildlife and all of that. A lot of a lot of city children, unless they've been taught that by their parents or maybe in school, they don't seem to know where milk comes from or even your meat, they're eating bacon maybe or eating a sausage and they don't know what it is and things like that, simple things. Do you come across those attitudes then sometimes uh, when you're away from your rural roots and you're you're working in cities, London, Cardiff and, and elsewhere and do you find that people have quite a, um, a slightly confused view of what farming is in the countryside and that sort of yes. thing? Yes. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um and it's fair enough to have your views when you know know the facts. Absolutely, everybody's entitled to their own opinion and own and their own way of life as well. You know the way they want to live if they want to be vegetarian or vegan or whatever. That's obviously their choice, and that's fine. Um, but if you decide on something and make an opinion on something that you don't know the full facts on, then that's that's a shame. You know. But yes, I mean, we often come across the, the town-country divide is something that always crops up with, with, with a lot of the articles we do. But yeah, you're right. Obviously, it happens in every aspect of life. You know, people form opinions without knowing full facts of things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it uh, seems like we're going through one of those periods at the moment. Yes. <laughs> no more but, um, um, maybe we should get back to singing sure. um, before we get too deep in politics. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, um, wait, so you talked about the Eisteddfod. Yes. Um, system and i'm really interested in the welsh tradition living in wales i'm married to a welsh mm-hmm. woman and um her father's a singer the, the, the tradition of song in wales is so great why is that do you think yes it is it is um a very strong tradition here in wales um i don't know why it is more so than in other countries but it's always been the um the you know it's been the social aspect of it as well i think um especially in the past up until now, um, you go to chapel and you'd go to the Eisteddfod and that would be their main social 
or social way of living, you know. So, um, and they'd always sing. You'd sing in the chapel and you'd sing in the East Edward. Um, and it's been such a strong, strong aspect of Welsh life. And even now, when I go to concerts in Wales, um, you go, the choir maybe they'd have food afterwards in the local pub and you'd go with them and then you'd always end up having a sing song. And if, or even if I go, I have a lot of friends in choirs and, you know, different um, musical groups now. And when we go to um, a pub or a gathering, we always end up in song, in a sing song. Somebody would hit the piano or even if you don't have a piano and then four part harmony and we'd blast out the hymns. And for me, oh, there's nothing better. That's my best kind of night out is having a sing song <laughs> and lovely. singing the hymns, you know, and in four part harmony, of course, you have to have harmony. It's brilliant. And yeah, I find it, I mean, well, apparently it's where four part harmony originated from the Welsh hymns. Um, or so they tell me. So <laughs> I find that very interesting. Well, I, I think it's it seems a very democratic thing in Wales that every everybody sings. It's not just the sort of the wealthy or the the, the, the educated, oh, yes. or the, you know, the, the highly educated. It's 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 across the board, and it is lovely. It's wonderful, and it's such a shame that um, music education is being cut cut down now. You know, in schools, it's it's a real shame because um, you know. Music. Is that something you've become aware of? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, is... absolutely. My sister now, I mentioned she was, she is then an accompanist and she accompanies a choir and a lot of soloists, but she also teaches um, singing around schools, but like peripatetic. And um, she notices, you know, a lack of funding in the um in the county and everything and it happens all all over wales and well all all around the country and it's it's a real shame because there's so much benefits from music education it's not just about you don't have to go on to to be a singer or to be a professional musician um it's not just about that it's about other kind of benefits as well you know and i found that being brought up um, in the doing a stevvod, stevvodai, and performing, you just learn. Um, you know, it's it's good for you um, to develop social skills and confidence, and to be able to conduct yourself. Because even if you don't go on to sing, you you know a lot of um, professions require being able to stand up and talk in front of people or conduct a, a meeting or whatever but I find you know um, if you've if you're used to performing it it will always help you because a lot of people are super shy and you know and they'd hate to get up in in a in a room full of people and have to talk or whatever but I find you know, it has a lot of um, of benefits. As you say, standing up in public is something almost all of us hate yes. uh, deep down. But but if you can learn to do it, you're, you're streets ahead of everyone well, else. Well, yeah, uh, I think so. It's a great, great thing. Because I remember when I was in school um, and I remember singing in assembly one day, um, just singing a, a song, a solo on stage. And there's about a thousand children in the school. And, you know... Being a teenager, and if you go through image, self-image, you know, problems or whatever, um, and I was bullied a bit in school as well. And I think because of what I did, because I was a, a singer or musician, you're considered a bit of a geek or whatever. Um, but I remember one of the 
um, a boy coming up to me at lunchtime after this assembly, and he was really good at football. He would, so he was very good at his own field, you know. But he, I remember him saying, "I don't know how on earth you performed in front of the whole school." Um, and obviously a lot of children laughing at you or whatever, thinking it was very uncool to sing classically, especially. It wasn't a pop song or anything. I was singing classically. Um, but for me, it was I didn't think anything of it, you know. And I wasn't the most confident of children at all um, in general. And I wasn't one of the cool kids either. But um, performing in front of them, I, it didn't bother me whatsoever. I was confident in doing that. Um so I thought I remember I, that's always stuck with me, thinking, "Gosh, yeah, I guess it is." Having the upbringing I've had in a, in competing in Stevford um, has always been a, a good thing for that, and also competing. Um, mentioning competing in a Stevford that they now, I think it's good for another life skill, um, being able to lose as well as win, because when you compete in a singing competition. In ge- or whatever, um, in general, you're always going to lose more than you you will ever win. You know, talk to anybody who's successful um, in singing in the opera world or wherever. They've always lost more than they've won, either in competitions or in auditions. So if you're used to that from a child, childhood age, I think that's a very, very strong skill to have and something that's good for in general in life. Well, let's talk more about your music. I mean, I've heard, I listened to lots of recordings. See, I was blown away. It's so your voice is so beautiful. So you've sung in some great venues like Glyndebourne, Royal Albert Hall, and the Millennium Centre. What would you say has been your absolute, the best live experience that you've had? Um, I've had a lot of amazing experiences, so it's hard to pinpoint. But two that stand out for me. The first of all was when I first performed at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, I was still in college in London and um, I had a gig the previous night. I sang at Highgrove for Prince Charles. And then on that night, I was singing at the Albert Hall and I had a chest infection um, and I was on antibiotics and I was just terrified. I, I really was. I don't get nervous that much or that often but I guess singing at the other hall you would anyway but to add to that the pressure of having um you know a chest infection or you know even the smallest cold yes, is exactly. really That's terrible for a singer like a, yeah. yeah absolutely and then to deal with the nerves and not knowing how your voice is going to go in somewhere that big and an opportunity that big as well as you know having the opportunity to perform in such a great venue was terrifying um but I got through it and getting through that and knowing that I could you know when you really have to pull yourself together just get some extra strength and energy and oomph from somewhere um so that was a quite a proud moment for me and then um also, when I sang at the um, the anthem, the Welsh national anthem, to, in the um, homecoming of the Welsh football oh, team well, so after well, the Euros, that was quite yeah. an amazing um, experience. If there's, is there one piece of music? If you could only sing one piece of music, um, that's a hard, hard question. Um, it would probably be one of the Welsh hymns. I think something like 
um, to dear or vast. Oh, it's just, it just brings, I'm, I've actually got goosebumps just saying the name of it, just thinking of the hymn. It's, it's amazing. Um, it's a wonderful hymn. But there's a lot of amazing hymns that I absolutely love. And But in concert, one of my favourite songs to sing in a concert is The Holy City by Stephen Adams. I don't know why, I can't tell you, but I just love singing it. <laughs> That's really nice. I quite I like it when you know, that's actually not a specific reason. It's just you you just love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now I see you've you've sung with lots of great people like Bryn Bryn and uh, Bryn Terville and others. Um, who of the people you haven't sung with? Who who would you've most liked to sing sing with or do a duet with? Um, I think a soprano called Sumi Jo. She's from um, South Korea. And she's always been an idol of mine, even when I just stumbled across her one day on YouTube when I was in college, listening to some repertoire that I was trying to learn and just, you know, typing in the songs. And she came up and she is just phenomenal. Um, she's a coloratura soprano and she has just been, um, I have a lot of idols, obviously, Renee Fleming and um, Kiri Takanoa. Um, but for, yes, she has. she's just I would have loved to. I would love to sing with her, <laughs> or even meet her. Well, you know, one day. Hopefully, we can. <laughs> she'll tune in. <laughs> um, and um, I also noticed that you you have a wide range of music tastes. What's the last thing you listened to? I do have a wide range um, of music taste. I love all kinds of music. Um, I don't just listen to classical at all. Um, I love jazz and mellow kind of blues and stuff as well i think the last thing i have um i subscribe to napster i don't know if you've heard of napster um so i listen i I, that's on all day with me in the house when i'm home and i just put some different kind of playlists or genres on but last night i haven't put it on today yet but last night it was cafe jazz i think okay yeah good something chill out you know kind of to chill me out because the baby's screaming so much (laughs) maybe it would help him as well um and is there um a piece of music that evokes the countryside for you um like for me it's like things like vaughan williams but is there something particularly your your sort of welsh heartland of the cambrian mountains but is there a piece of music that really sort of you know you could tell readers go and go and listen to this it will bring my homeland alive to you. Well, yeah, I think it's um, songs, simple Welsh songs that I used to sing as a child. One of which is called Nant y Mynydd, oh, yeah, which okay. is which trans- yeah it translates to the stream on the mountain. We named our house um, after that song just... when we lived on the in the Brecon really? Beacons. Yeah, we had a we had a house. Oh, wow. It was a little small holding, and we called it Nant y Mynydd. Um, Oh, how lovely. Yeah, it had a little stream. <laughs> it's no longer. Yeah, well I, well, I remember when I was learning that. I just, I remember being up on the mountain in Shandawi. Um, I think we were collecting the sheep down to Shear. And I was just learning it whilst I was out, you know, on the mountain and singing it and going over the words. And, and just, you know, it stuck with me. Um, that and listening to songs like um, My Hirais, um um an amor or um Aros Merman as I would a lot of you know the typical Welsh um songs they just remind me of the countryside really. So when this comes out we'll be 
in the lambing season. Um, presumably, you'll be back yes. on the farm for a few for a few bouts of of lambing, and um, I will. Um, unfortunately, though, this is the first year that I won't be able to. Go. I've always been going back for the whole of the lambing season, but my daughter is now in school. Um, she started school in September, so. I won't be able to go for the whole of the lambing season. I'll have to go every weekend and the um, half term and the break, you know, the Easter break. (laughs) Is there anywhere else in the country that you go to escape to or that you could recommend? That I do adore um, the seaside as well. Um, Aberaidron is my favourite town, being that I went to school there as well, so it's home kind of town. It is lovely. Um, I love Pembrokeshire as well. It's beautiful. And I also love um, the area where you live in Abergavenny. I think um, it's beautiful there as well, proper countryside and just it's lovely there. Um, I'm Sorry, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. One thing that's just come to my mind, another thing I find that's really good for singing is, and your breath, obviously, and that being in the countryside and the fresh air helps the lungs as well with your breathing. And when you get the exercise out in fresh air, mountain air, I find that helps a lot. The singing just comes a bit better, you know? No, but that's absolutely what we need. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be a singer, have you got some advice for people who might want to, young young girls in particular, who might want to become singers? Well, I've I've found, um, I know this is not for young girls, but I've found since having children, um, it's quite hard, a struggle to get your stamina back. So in general, whether you've had children or not, you need to be strong, you need to be fit um, and healthy. Um, And I'm more aware of it now than ever since obviously having children, I need to regain my strength um, and stamina. Um, So eating healthy, eating really well, Um, forget your fad diets and trying to be super skinny you just need to be healthy and exercise you know again it's they go hand in hand obviously but it's you need stamina to sing so much you don't a lot of people then don't realize it's like being an athlete it's not I mean not just the performance but also for your mental um, strength as well you know like I mentioned um, the my Albert Hall incident when I was ill you need that mental strength of determination and and just right I'm going to get through this it's going to be fine and it's a lot of psychology as well you know you need positive mental attitude and if you if you're going through something difficult and if you're upset or something, I find I just I will not sing whatsoever. If I've gone through, you know, bereavement or anything sad or even just, you know, stress that affects for me, it affects the singing. So it's about having a good life balance and being healthy physically and mentally. And do you find going back to the countryside gives you that mental strength? Yeah, no, yeah, no, definite. And I find, I think it's good for you to have that kind of place to go to if you are stressed, because everybody gets stressed um, and life is stressful. So like I mentioned earlier, going to that hill behind the house at home um, on the farm and just that view and that fresh air for me is just that lovely place, you know, that kind of de-stress. And so everybody needs to have that um, that kind of place, not obviously as a singer, in any walk of life, I'd say. Oh, I, I 
couldn't agree more. Um, I've got one last question. If and when you decide that your singing career is coming to an end or whatever, some long way, yes. maybe a long way in the future, would you go back to farming? Would you take over the, the family farm? Well, it's actually in discussion now for me to move back. Um, really? I've always wanted to move back. And we are... Um, um, there's a house there that I would um, move back to. I'd, I'd got big plans in my head of doing it up and to move back. It's just a matter of timing with my husband's work as well, yeah. more than anything. Obviously, I can do my job from anywhere. Um, but yes, I can't wait to move back. Um, my nephew is currently um, on the farm with my parents because my parents are you know, getting on now in age, so they need to really think about retiring. So my nephew is now on the verge of taking over. So yes, I would, I am looking forward then to moving back and helping in some way with the business. I would, I would love doing, to do that. Well, it sounds absolutely blissful. Um, oh, sorry, I've got one more question. So where, where can people come and see you? Well, I would usually say to check my website, but I've been absolutely rubbish at updating my website. So there's no point going on there. <laughs> um, I do tend to be more on social media than anything like that. So if I have something worthwhile coming up, it would always be on, I would tweet or Instagram or something about it. At the moment, even though I am going back in March, I am taking a bit more of an easy easier year than usual this year um to try and be a mother and do that justice um but i'm also as well as being a soloist i've i'm recently started a group of three of us um girls called athena so that's yeah that's a kind of a project that i'm into at the moment i'm loving doing gigs with athena so we've got we're planning a tour um, for next for this coming year then um, and a lot of exciting things like that but everything at the moment is not down in you know black and white date wise yet everything needs time <laughs> and planning um, to get things done so um, but the next thing is like I said the 1st of March in I think it's in Frill Pavilion actually um, up in North Wales and that should be it's with a Another singer called Luke McCall, who is amazing. He's in the West End at the moment. Um, so that should be a very good uh, St. David's gig to come to if you're in that part of the world. Great. Well, we'll, we'll certainly um, give it a plug. And, yeah, um, definitely. Best of luck. Thank yeah, you. It's been an absolute delight talking to you. Um, I hope you can get some rest and and, and the boy uh, settles. And, Thank uh, you. And gives you a few, a few sleep-filled nights. I know yeah. how important that is. But look, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. It's lovely talking to you. Oh, thank you so much, Guire. And you've generously allowed us to include a favourite recording to play us out.
as Guire Edwards singing O Mio Babino Caro by Puccini, recorded on the record label Sign. Imagine hearing that flowing out across the landscape when you're walking in the Welsh hills. And I really do think there's a niche market for lamb and beef that has been sung to. It was a great delight speaking to Guire, and you could read more about her life as a farmer come world-renowned soprano in the April edition of BBC Country Farm magazine to coincide with lambing season. It's in the shops from the 8th of March. You've been listening to a podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine, and you can find many more of our podcasts by subscribing to BBC Country Farm magazine on Acast or iTunes. And if you want to find out anything more about the British countryside, from wonderful walks to where to see the greatest wildlife spectacles, then please visit countryfile.com, where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, which keeps you updated with everything Countryfile and Countryfile magazine. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye now.